Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Go right there to the Hope and Healing tab and hit live show and you're in. 
For those of you that have chosen to listen to us by way of telephone or you call it in, you call in at area code 323-784-9638. Once again, that's area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us here every Monday night. And by the way, if you decide you want to be a guest on the show or have a comment or question, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to get on the air, and we'll get you on the air tonight. Listen, this is our second our second Monday in the year 2015, and we're so glad that you're with us tonight. So much to talk about. For those of you that may be following us on Facebook, uh, there are a number of pages you can find us on. Domestic Violence it is your business page. Uh, this is a page right there on Facebook that you can join. It is a group page and uh, there where there's much information, testimonials, and things are being shared on this page, and we invite you to be a part of that. And we want you to be a part of it, not tomorrow, but right now. We want you to go to that page there. Many things are being uh, put on that page. And then we have another page there, Destiny. City by Choice 2 Fellowship page. Now, this page here is very important because this page here is about inspiration. It's about it is about inspiration. It's about uh, actually not only inspiration, but it's about really just encouraging one another. Another. And so, I invite you to join us on that page there on our, our Facebook page once again, uh, Destiny by Choice. Two fellowship page, as well as you can join us on, once again, Domestic Violence it Is Your Business page. And so we invite you to be a part of that. We invite you to join us even right now inside of our time together. And for many of you that are listening for the very first time, we're looking for an incredible time tonight to talk about some very difficult things. But I think it's time now to, to, to break the silence. It's time to break the silence about so many things that have affected our community, so many things that have held us in bondage, things that we have failed to talk about, things that we have failed to acknowledge. And I believe that we can't change that which we're unwilling to confront. We cannot confront that which we're unwilling to identify. We cannot identify that which we're unwilling to acknowledge, and we cannot acknowledge that which we're unwilling to accept. So I want to make sure that I call to your attention today that it's about finding that healing in our community, finding that healing, that voice to have that conversation, finding that particular outlet, be able to have a real conversation. Did I say that again? A real conversation concerning those things that affects each and every one of us. None of us are immune. We all know someone who have suffered uh, uh, from the hands of victimization. And tonight we're not just talking about just your run of the mill, uh, just what we uh, see with our natural eye, but there are so many things that happen behind the scene that brings a lot of long-term effects and long-term hurt and pain, and we never deal with it. And if we never deal with it, folks, it is transferred on to the next relationship. It's transferred oftentimes on to the next individual. It is transferred in so many different ways that the reality is is that it is so intergenerational that we can see the effect of domestic violence going on from generation to generation. So I once again encourage you today to join us tonight. Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I am your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network, right here where you are tonight. This is about hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. And we want to get to some very interesting topics on tonight, and I, I want you to be a part of that. This conversation tonight is designed with you in mind. This conversation tonight is about you and I being able to get to the next place, the next level. Listen, if we remain silent about those things that are 
threatening to our existence, then we only continue to perpetuate that which is going on. But if we're willing to stand up, if we're willing to speak out, if we're willing to acknowledge the fact that this is something that has affected us way too long, then guess what? We can then begin to galvanize our efforts and make a difference inside of so many things. So I invite you tonight. Call a friend, call a neighbor, let her know that hope and healing is on the air, a journey to wholeness, and we're going to be getting started with open lines here in just a moment. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to take part in this. I think it's absolutely necessary. I think that you understand that our voices must be heard. When we remain silent, listen, evil prevails when good men and women remain silent. Even evil prevails when we refuse to open our mouth. Evil prevails when we continue to act as if this is not an important subject. I stopped by today to encourage someone to understand that you have a voice, and that voice needs to be heard, that, listen, this is an issue that affects us all from a number of standpoints, and we have an obligation, we have a responsibility to stand up, to speak out against these evils. You listen to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. If you're joining us by way of the Internet, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com. Or if you join us by way of phone, area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us today here on Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And once again, we are here tonight and addressing issues that are so vitally important in our community. So join us right now. Join us in the midst of it all tonight because this is the day, this is the hour that we must not only speak up, but we must speak out. And uh, it is all about that. If we speak up and speak out, then we will understand that literally that we can make a difference in a, in a number of ways. We can make a difference in ways that, uh, that can touch lives, that can transform lives, that can change lives, that can make things a whole lot different if we're willing to speak up and stand up and speak out. Generational hurt. Generational hurt goes on for years. Things that we learn to hide, things that we don't talk about. And oftentimes we feel like if we don't talk about, then guess what? If we don't talk about it, then no one will know. But the reality is, is this, that if you fail to talk about it, it doesn't make it go away. If you fail to talk about, about it, doesn't mean that it's gone. If you fail to talk about it, doesn't mean the fact that no one knows. The reality is, is that we got to be willing. We got to be willing to talk about it, to speak up about it, and understand that this is a real issue tonight. Eric code 323 that is how you reach us tonight here on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm so very glad that you've joined us. This is J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad to be with you on the Solo America Radio Network. Listen, as we get ready to get into the show tonight, I want to just open up the lines tonight. I don't know how many of you, and I was talking about galvanizing and what it takes for us to stand up and recognize the issue and break the silence and be willing to stand up for that which is right because evil does prevail when good people remain silent. And that brings me back to uh, many of you. I wonder how many of you got a chance to go see the movie Selma, the movie Selma that is out, the movie that uh, Oprah Winfrey definitely have had a part in uh, co-producing, and uh, it is an uh, absolutely powerful movie. And it's a movie that depicts uh, what happened during uh, the Civil Rights Movement there in uh, Alabama, in Selma, particularly here with the Voting Rights Act. And uh, 
it shows you the power of what happened when people came together for a common cause, when people understood that the cause and the vision was bigger than any visionary, that it took everyone to order to bring justice. And so it's with that same spirit that we must find and we must get a hold of in order to change things in our society today to change things in our neighborhood, to change things in our community. So the challenge today is where do we galvanize? How do we galvanize? We galvanize by, number one, coming to agreement and understanding that we are all in this together, that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, that we recognize the fact that our silence only perpetuates the violence. So we've got to be willing to speak up, speak out, we must be willing to break this cycle. We must understand the impact of this uh, issue on our children, the way they see themselves, the way they see one another. How is it that they begin to learn how to negotiate or learn how to get along or to resolve conflict? Well, children learn what they live and they live what they learn, and so therefore we have to be very cognizant of the fact of what we do, what we demonstrate, what do we show them. Because absence of absence of us doing the right thing, absence of us showing them the right thing, they will only repeat the wrong. So we have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to our children. We have a responsibility to our community. We have a responsibility to inside of addressing this issue that we call domestic violence. This is a real situation, people. This is a real situation here when we begin to talk about uh what is it that we must do to address this issue of domestic violence? We've got to be willing to stand up. We've got to be willing to speak out. We've got to recognize the fact that we have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to one another. It is to the children that are yet to be born. It is understanding the fact that domestic violence is, a, is, is the sole source of so many other social ills that are happening in our society, and we've got to be willing to take ownership of that because if we fail to take ownership of it, what we will continue to do, is to allow the perpetuation of this social ill, and this social ill is affecting too many as we speak. So I want to say that to you today, that as we're going forth on tonight, that we recognize the fact that we have a responsibility to one another, we have a responsibility to ourselves, we have a responsibility. That responsibility goes far, it goes deep. That responsibility calls us to a greater place. That responsibility says things to us that we got to be willing to address and that is the fact that we have a that we ourselves owe it to the next generation we owe it to them to demonstrate what it's like to have a healthy relationship that we owe it to the next generation to demonstrate what it means to truly be our brothers and our sisters keeper so that is the challenge that we're dealing with tonight and uh, we want you to join aboard with us, Erico 323-784-9638, Erico 323-784-9638. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and we're going to be right back after this commercial break, and we're going to take your calls. Once again, you listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'll be right back right after this commercial break.
This is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse, some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, and 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be, you can find us here on Soul of America Radio Network. Just before we went to break, we began to talk about the necessity of why we have to continue to do these shows that we do each and every week, and it's because of the fact, people, that oftentimes we have not recognized the impact that violence have on our lives, and particularly personal violence, or what we call interpersonal violence. Interpersonal violence have a way of not only rocking your psyche, not only hurting your physical body, but it has so much to do with the way you see yourself, your own personal uh, perception of yourself, your own view of how the world looks. And so when we start talking about interpersonal violence occurring, any time that it occurs, it's a violation to one, spirit, body, soul, and mind. Secondarily, we have to understand that the impact of domestic and sexual violence is far-reaching. It is not something that just automatically goes away. Oftentimes, we struggle years and years dealing with the aftermath of it. And I say that not to just talk about how bad it is, but I say it also because we need to consider the fact that when these type of acts are committed and perpetrated on an individual, we do not understand that though the action may only be for a period of time or a short period of time, the impact of it oftentimes is lifelong. And so those are the things that we must begin to have real dialogue about, a real conversation about it, because of the fact if we accept it as normal behavior, then what we have done is given free. We have given 
permission to this matter. We have made it as if this is the normal occurrence. And any time we normalize abnormal behavior, any time we normalize inappropriate behavior, any time we normalize behavior that has such an impact, what we have done is that we have given an okay to this type of a thing occurring, and that is what we cannot afford to do. And so tonight we have an open line. We're talking about this whole issue of domestic and sexual violence. We're talking about the far-reaching impact. There are many stories that have been in the headline, even most recently, of a situation that have involved the issue of domestic and sexual violence, even abuse of children. And these things are happening. And if you believe that these things are things that just come from nowhere, then I want to have a conversation with you because I promise promise you, oftentimes these behaviors are so interwoven in our uh, history, so interwoven inside of the things that we've been exposed to that it's not funny. And the reality is, is the fact until we address it, once again, you and I, we cannot change that which we're unwilling to confront. We cannot confront that which we're unwilling to identify. We cannot identify that which we're unwilling to acknowledge. And we cannot acknowledge that which we're unwilling to accept. And because of these things here, we must be willing to stand up, speak out. We must be willing to listen. We must be willing to really spell it out. We must be willing to actually put it on the line right now. We must be willing to speak out and say what it is. We've got to be willing to understand that there's some responsibility that must take place. That responsibility starts with the perpetrator, those that are uh, perpetrating the act. But the responsibility also must be looked at by our society at large. When we fail to talk about it, when we fail to speak up about it, when we fail to believe those that have been violated, I want to say something that might be very controversial tonight, and as I wait for your call, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. You feel free. If you'd like to come on the show tonight, simply hit one on the keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air with us tonight. But I want to say this because this is so very important. Inside of what we often see as communities, and particularly communities of color, Things that have historically happened to us and that we've been told that we're not to talk about it. Things that we've been told to be silent about. Many of us have grown up suffering in silence as a result of that. So we suffer in silence. We don't say anything about it. And we do not want to own up or recognize the long-term impact that it's had on us. Because our silence not only just perpetuates the violence, our silence began to become literally an inner parasite. It begins to eat away at us and who we are. Our silence brings no benefit to us, but our silence actually does a lot to perpetuate the, the situation that's going on. So the challenge tonight is about the fact of what is it that we must begin to do. Unless you've been up on the rocks of where each and every one of us have heard about the situation, the allegation, the accusation that have occurred uh, far as the alleged allegations about uh uh, our beloved uh, Bill Cosby. Now, to say anything negative about Bill Cosby is almost sacrilege because so many have a high regard for him and, and, uh, and for his contribution to our history. But I want to take it a little step further today, and I'm not here to be the judge, juror, nor the executioner. But I am here to say, what if it wasn't? What if Bill Cosby wasn't the celebrity? What if he wasn't America's favorite dad? What if he wasn't Mr. Jello Puddin? What if he wasn't Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids? What if he wasn't Heathcliff Hustable? What if he wasn't that individual? 
Would it be more easier to believe the victims that have come forth? Would it be more easier to believe the ones that have come forth and say they were drugged or they were violated? Would it be more easier to believe them if he simply was not who we know him to be? Would it not be simpler for us all? Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you reach us. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you join this call. Hope and healing a journey to wholeness. You're listening to J.R. Thickland. I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. So we want to talk about the fact of the power of silence. And when silence happened and secrecy happened and, and those things happen when it comes to violation and being hurt and this type of abuse, what is the long-term impact of that? What is the long-term impact? How are we affected as individuals? How are we affected as families? How are we affected inside of this conversation? Because of the fact, when we fail to acknowledge it, when we fail to have conversation around it, when we fail to speak up about it, when we fail to believe those that do speak up about it, then we create these dynamics. We create these dynamics of shame. We create these dynamics of re-victimization. And when people are re-victimized, they shut down even more. So that's why it's so very, very important that we speak up and that we speak out about this issue of domestic violence. Domestic violence is not your friend. Domestic violence is an equal opportunity to store. Domestic violence continuously uh, cause havoc and pain inside of households. And so we want to be able to talk about that in a serious dialogue tonight, once again, about what is going on. Why is it that in our communities that the issue of domestic or sexual violence is hush-hush? Why are we more likely to blame the victim rather than the perpetrator? Why do we tend to say she did something to deserve this? It was the way she was dressed. It's the things that she's done. It is what she was wearing. It is the way that she looked at him. Why is it that we tend to go the other way? Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. That is how you get on the air. If you'd like to have a question or comment or you'd like to join in on this conversation, simply hit the number one on your keypad when you come on, and the producer will let us know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air tonight. We think we have a very important subject tonight because, in fact, we have to answer those questions. Where are the whys? Have we talked about the whys? Why are we more likely to blame victims when it comes to this situation? Now, listen. Once again, I'm not the judge, juror, nor the executioner when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, Bill Cosby. No one is a greater fan of Bill Cosby as I am. I mean, the Jello Pudding Man? Are you kidding me? Hey, hey, hey! It's Fat Albert. Are you kidding me? This is the guy that we grew up watching and knowing. But my question to you: If he wasn't the Jello Pudding Man, if he wasn't Doctor Heathcliff Hustable, if he wasn't I Spy. If he wasn't all these people that we've known him to be, if he wasn't that person, would it be easier for you to believe these victims that have come forth and accused him? That's the question I want you to know. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us tonight. You listen to Hope and Healing, the journey to hold us, and I'm your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'd love for you to join in on the conversation. Hit number one on your keypad once you get in, and that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. You don't have to give your name. We simply want your conversation, your expert, your ex- your experience, and your opinion. That's what's real tonight. Because I start with Bill Cosby inside of this because of the fact we know that the subject of sexual assault and and rape and domestic violence are things that are hard to talk about. And there are things that we generally don't talk about it. 
But I continue to say our silence perpetuates the violence. Our silence perpetuates the violence. And there's nowhere more evident than that is what you're seeing. You're seeing people that are coming forth that have been silent about this, these uh, accusations for over 20 years and sometimes even 30 years. Their silence perpetuated the violence. Perhaps if some had spoken out earlier, perhaps others would not have suffered. Now, I'm not putting a guilt trip on those that have suffered, but what I'm saying for us to have a collective attitude as a people and begin to understand that just simply because we don't talk about it doesn't mean that it goes away. You know, it's a proverbial uh, ostrich mentality. The ostrich sticks his head in the sand, and though his head is in the sand, his behind and everything else is still exposed to the open, uh, to the public, to the elements. And so when we stick our head in the sand about subject matters such as pain, abuse, and rape, and domestic violence and assault, guess what? Because we stick our head in the sand, it still does not eliminate the fact that the rest of us is exposed to the elements that are there. So that's what's vitally important today. And the reality is that until we're willing to confront it, until we're willing to speak up, until we are willing to say, listen, this not only was a violation, this was wrong, this was dehumanizing, this was ostracizing, this was this was very, very demoralizing. Until we're willing to stand up and say those things, then guess what, folks? We are literally giving it a stamp of approval. We don't want to give it a stamp of approval today. We've got to speak out about it. And I'm telling you all around, we've seen violations. I don't want to pick on just uh, uh, Bill Cosby, but there are many others that are in trusted positions that have violated, that have done these type things and have left years and generations of emotional scars, scars that go beyond the present, scars that reaches into the very, uh, the very heart of people's existence, Scars that will reach all the way to the next generation. That's what it's really about today. Do you want to be on the side of healing? Or do you want to be on the side of silence? No, as a people, we have our code of silence. We have our unspoken, our unwritten, should I say, code language. We all know it. And just like most everything else, things have been stolen from us. Vegas stole this from us as a people. And that's what happens here stays here. What happens in this house stays in this house. And that type of sworn to secrecy has perpetuated years of darkness, years of things that have happened that shouldn't have happened, years of things that have caused even mental and mental anguish and pain, years of those that have suffered in silence due to incest, ancestral rape and, and silence and being raped and violated by those that they trusted. The real question is, today, how much longer? How much longer do we remain silent? How much longer do we not say anything? See, you've got to understand something. When violation happened, and we put all of that on that victim, that person carries that pain with them forever. They don't talk about it. They wear masks. They're hidden behind the They're hidden behind these things. They're like blankets. They're covered over and over again. They're smothering. And they do their best act. They put on their best act. They put on their best face forward. But the reality is they're sinking and they're hurting inside. And I'm saying, who will speak up? Who will say, listen, this is not to stop? Who will say that the fact that this is painful? This is not just some act of, uh, of sexual attempt. That's not what this is about at all. Folks, this is about violation. This 
is about destroying one's innocence. This is about taking control over something that doesn't belong to you. This is about subscribing to the theory that you are in charge and that you have a right to do so. Do you understand the pain that happens when that type of violation happens? And we go on as if nothing, as if nothing was ever done. We go on as if nothing ever happened. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's the number to reach us. That's the number to get in tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to own us. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I want to take your calls. When we come back after this short commercial break, I want to take your calls tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to own us. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. internet you're probably seeing a series of advertisements please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Welcome back. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Those of you that listen to us by way of Internet, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com. We're so glad to have you join us on tonight, and thank you for joining in with us. And just a reminder to each and every one of our listeners that you can always go back and listen to the archive of any of these shows by simply going to the www.soulofamericaradio.com and go to Hope and Healing, and you can go to what we call archives. And the archives are the shows that have gone on before. Also want to invite you to, if uh, you are a smartphone, phone user, whether you have an iPhone or have an Android, go to your uh go to your Play Store. Uh, go to your uh go to your Apple Store or Play Store, depending on what you have, and download our Soul of America Radio app. That's right, Soul of America Radio app. You can download it. It's for free. You download it right to your phone and once you get there, let me tell you you can go back and listen to every show that's ever been on this uh, on this network, not just my show, but, of course, the Tony Stallings show and other shows that are there. And so that is one way that you can listen to us at any given time. And not only that, you're able to share the show with someone. So if you like what you're hearing or you think that you've heard something that may resonate with someone else, you can feel free to always uh, share that show with someone. So once again, that is the way you can reach us. Those of you that are listening by way of phone, area code 323-784-9638, I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight. And right before we went to the break, I said that we would come back to some callers on the line. We have plenty of people that are on the line that that are there on the line. I just want some that are willing to uh, speak up because I value your opinion. I value someone can actually be encouraged and learn from you. Now listen, you don't have to give your name, you don't have to give you don't have to give your name or where you're from. We simply want your comments and your question if you have it. The question that I gave and it wasn't a rhetorical question at all. I really wanted an answer is the fact that for many of you if Bill Cosby wasn't who he was, would you believe the victims who have brought accusation against him? If he wasn't who he was, would you believe would you believe the victims that have come forth? That is a real legitimate question there. So once again, that is the question tonight. And the other side of that question is, why do you think it's so hard for people to believe victims when they begin to talk about the issue of being assaulted or uh, being raped or domestic violence? Why do you think it's seemingly so hard that people uh, – tend not to believe the victim. They oftentimes re-victimize the victim, uh, or they say that they ask for it. Uh, they begin to blame them for being a part of something. So my question to you tonight uh, is the fact of how do and why do we do those things there? Uh, Eric code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us tonight. Uh, please hit number one on your keypad if you have a question and or comment tonight. would love to have your input. would love to hear what you have to say tonight because it's so very important. We all know, and I alluded to this earlier, that you know, almost every culture have what we call an unwritten rule. It is those things that we subscribe to, and yet it's still no one has given us a contract to sign. We have perpetuated through years. That's why oftentimes they're generational. There are generations after generations where there's been uh, not only domestic violence, but sexual abuse and sexual violence that have happened, but it's never been talked about because we've always been discouraged to ever talk about anything. What happens in this house, you know the rest of that, stays in this house. Those are the things that we continue to hear. Those are the things that are continued told to us. But my challenge to each and every one of you tonight is the fact of uh, 
what way do we break that? Why is it important to break that? That is our challenge on tonight. For many people, they're caught between the reality and they're caught between that and their faith. Their faith is very important inside of this issue here because of the fact their faith plays a big part of them being able to withhold and withstand a lot of the things they've gone through. And yet I submit to you, for the same reason, their faith is oftentimes the thing that keeps them bound in it. Because many have different fallacies about the fact of of when they're going through things, that somehow or another it's their punishment, that God is punishing them, or they're reaping something that they sow. And so we have to be in place to dispel those type of uh, to dispel those type of uh, ideologies, to dispel the fact that the reality is is that this isn't God punishing you at all. This is the act of someone who has taken who have taken uh, advantage, who have violated your will, have violated your desires inside of this. And so we have to be willing to speak up about it. Those of you that may be listening to me right now, for many of you, you're dealing with people on every day, schools and other places that are that are actually are victims of domestic and sexual violence. And we're not having that conversation. We're not talking about it. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to acknowledge. And as a result of that, guess what? People are suffering in silence. People are suffering in silence. So tonight, Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. I'll wait on a caller to come. I'll call it now. Hit number one on your keypad because I want us to have this dialogue. I think this dialogue is very healthy. This dialogue is necessary. This dialogue must happen tonight because there are those that are suffering even now. I recall to you so many stories that we see where there's abuse going on that oftentimes, you know, that we forget that abuse is not just physical. Abuse is not just mental. But abuse is also emotional. Abuse reaches far deep and in between. Abuse reaches far inside of the lives of individuals, and it absolutely robs them not only of their innocence, but oftentimes of their identity. That people are made to feel as if they're only property because one decides to force himself. One decides to go and do what they want to do, not considering the individual that they're hurting. These are the things that we must begin to address from a standpoint that it changes our nation, that it changes our communities, that it changes the things that we have embraced. Because until we're willing to deal with the abuse, until we're willing to deal with it, there cannot be healing. And healing must be something that happens inside of this. So the first thing that we must do is, number one, we have to acknowledge that it happens. We have to acknowledge that it happened. We have to acknowledge that it happened. We must take ownership of the fact that this has happened to me. Number two, we can't blame ourselves for it happening. Though it happened to me, it doesn't mean that I caused it to happen. Thirdly, we have to resolve the fact that this isn't the will of God. God did not inflict this upon you what at all. And yet it's still God can take your bruises and heal them. He can take the failure and the brutality and the things that have happened. And because he said that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, that means that he can take the pain and he can work it together for your good. But that's not to be confused with some type of a, uh, uh, that's not to be confused with some type of mandate to remain in an abusive relationship whatsoever. The next thing that we must take a notice of inside of an abusive relationship 
It's the fact that abuse doesn't go away in and on its own. Abuse doesn't go away in and on its own. Abuse is a pattern of behavior that tends to uh, control you, that seeks to intimidate you, that, that tends to have some type of dominating influence over your life. Those are the things that we have to deal with and be content with when we are dealing with the situation of abuse. Next thing I want to bring to your attention tonight is the fact that when we're dealing with the issue of sexual violence and sexual abuse, there is no such thing as she or he asks for it. It's no such thing as they ask for it. No, her dress can't be tight enough to make her ask for it. No, her situation cannot be that vulnerable that she asks for it. So we cannot make up our mind and say that a person asks for it. We must be willing to recognize the fact that this abuse is absolutely unacceptable. Absolutely. And so in saying that, I want to say to you tonight that there's a reason why people must find a place to heal. And I want to go back to the point that even a church, the church should be a place where people can heal. But oftentimes it's not that place. It's not that spiritual trauma center. It's not that place where people can come. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the attitudinal beliefs? What is the disposition of the church that, it calls it, that has caused it to be hard for certain people to come forth? What is it about the climate, the condition, the environment of the church that have caused some people to run away rather than to run to? Do people feel judged? Do people feel condemned? Do people feel worthless? Do people feel as if everyone will laugh or talk about them? So I just want you to consider that tonight. I want you to consider the fact that you and I have a responsibility to change the environment around us. And one of the places that must have a change in attitude for us environment is really the church, the house of worship. How do people view it? Do people really listen? Do they turn to their faith or do they turn away? Are they stagnated by what's happening? Are they encouraged? So this is very important inside of dealing with this situation as we consider the issue of domestic and sexual violence. Area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638 is how you reach us. This is Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us, and this is your host, J.R. Thicklin. And I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. It is crucial, it is pivotal at this time. It is crucial and pivotal at this time that we understand how damaging the silence is inside of this, how damaging the silence is, that it reaches into far generation. It reaches to those that are not even born yet because of the fact of the silence of this. Some of us don't even understand why is it that certain people act the way they do. And it could it be because of the fact we are afraid to speak up. Could it be because of the fact we don't want to take ownership? Could it be because of the fact that we continue, that we continue to suffer in silence? And when we suffer in silence, it brings about so much pain and so much agony. Tonight, Erico 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us tonight. And we're going to go right to our line, call a number ending at 8314. 
We're going to say good evening and welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the line tonight. Good evening. Hi, good evening, Dr. Dickman. This is Ms. McLean from Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, well, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for joining us. How are you tonight? Thank you. I am absolutely divine. Wonderful. Fantastic. It's so good to hear your voice and everything. I don't know how much you've heard on the on the broadcast tonight, but it's open line, and we're just talking about a few issues here that we think is very important. And we talk about suffering and silence and, you know, and people not speaking up and people that have been hurt by those that have violated them and, and why it is so far-reaching. But definitely, we're open to your opinion. Yes, thank you. One area that you touched on that I wanted to um, make a comment in reference to is about the abuse and the violence that's going on in the communities and reaching out to the churches. You know, at at one time or another, at growing up, you know, the church was the, was the pilgrim foundation for everything. You could go to the church no matter what the problem were. And then Absolutely. there was people in the church that understood, and then the elders were there to give you guidance and then to help you and assist you through the situations and circumstances that you were going through. But I, I feel now if we don't reach out to the clergymen, the lay leaders, all the support personnel that's in the church and educate them, educate them about what's really going on, we are going to lose what we have growing out there. Um, and and yeah, I talk so adamant about it because, you know, I have an organization called Women of War from the military that we deal with these type of things. And what we're finding out is that when they say they go to their pastor or their minister and and they don't feel satisfied with what's coming out of it. And a lot of time it's not that they don't care or, or they're not concerned about what's going on. A lot of time they just don't know what to do. You know, they give them the scripture portion of it, but yet that, that substance part of it is not there for them. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to get out there and reach out to them and, and do the educational part with them so they can truly understand what's really going on because a lot of the abuse that's going on is in the church. It's right there. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. But, but if you don't know, if you don't know it and can't identify with it and you know what's really going on, then you can't help that situation. You know, you, you hit a great point there because of the fact that many don't don't want to admit it, but the church, the church, absolutely, oftentimes is clueless, and they yeah. are not. And and I don't mean that in an ugly way, but they just are, uh, and, and and they are, you know, they are. Clueless, they don't know what to do, and then they won't admit oftentimes they don't know what to do. And so what has been my experience, and understand, you know, I, I, I say this because I am, I am, I am a clergy, I am a pastor, I've, I've been there. And when I say I've been there, I've been there even in reaching out to my brothers and sisters. And we seemingly are in a different era today. Yeah. We're in a different yeah. era than we were once upon a time. And once upon a time, and you said it, you hit it right on the head, that once upon a time that the church was that place. It was that place that everyone came. You found answers in the church. The church was relevant in this community. The church was that place that people came. I call it the spiritual trauma center. Yeah. And yet still, today, there seemed to be not the same that seemed to be not the same attraction that the church is not that same place the 
uh, the church seemed to have a different mission, a different goal now. Is it really about meeting the needs of the people, or is it about the people meeting the needs of the church? Yeah, I Right. And that seems to be a reverse order there. So when you're talking about issues that people really go through, where they really need guidance, where they really need uh, understanding, where they really need encouragement, where they really need it and everything, uh, it's not there. It's not there at all. And so when it's not there, you know, people leave empty. And yet it's still research continue to tell us that in a time of crisis, uh, victims turn to their faith and their clergy before they turn to any place else. The concern today is that what is it when what happens when they turn to their clergy and their faith and their ministers and they don't have answers and they refuse to get answers and as i as I travel this country, I often find it sometimes the hardest audience to get together is my fellow clergy. I can get together law law enforcement quicker than I can clergy. I can get together yeah. educators quicker than I can clergy. I can get together people that work in corporate America quicker than I can clergy. And you would think it would be just the opposite. So my question is, and I and I posed it to you, but anyone can jump in on this, is this. Do you think that it's a reason, the fact that there's a sense of embarrassment, or is that a possibility that oftentimes, because this subject matter hits so close to home, that we're afraid to deal with it because well, unfortunately I, you know, we, we see so many headlines that oftentimes where we see these type of things happening even in our churches. In the, in the churches. And, and again, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's people are not identifying with what's really going on. And then if they're dealing with it themselves, then they unfortunately not going to be able to deal with somebody else's because that is right. It's so close to home. You know, and it doesn't exclude them because they are pastor, or clergy person, or, or lay leader. It doesn't exclude them for for that behavior. However, if it's taught, it will keep being manifested. But if you stop it and educate them and let them know that these are things that's not tolerated, then then they have a chance to redefine themselves and say, okay, let's let's work on this. But the first part is that you have to admit to yourself and you have to admit to God that, and, you know, I'm dealing with it too. I have that problem, you know, and, and I also need help. But, um, you know, something that you said a little earlier that you were asking about, about the victims um, not wanting to uh, be identified and telling what happened. That, uh, so in the Bill Cosby incident, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this of waiting 30, 40 years to say something that something that happened so long ago, you know, and, and it makes it hard to believe it. But when you got so many people coming out there, you know, you're just wondering, am I piggybacking on somebody else's misfortune or am I doing this because I, I can see where it's going to take me? Because any time an incident that happened, that's like a car accident, you must report it right then and there. You know, if you don't, regardless, because, I mean, you know, people are going to look at you and say, oh, well, well, they bought that on themselves, or they shouldn't have been at that place. or that. It doesn't matter. No one, no one should be subbed to anything like that, regardless. But here again, I bring it back to being educated. Because, you know, so long ago the stereotype was, you know, hey, the man has the lead, he has the right, you know, you just obey, you obey, you obey. 
However, you know, I think over the years they've taken that word obey out of content and they've taken well, it to another level, you know. You so, hit three major points there. You're exactly right. Uh, not only have that word been abused, it's like the word submission. It has been abused. Yeah. And I want to go back to the point. This is what happens oftentimes in victimization. And we start talking about power and control. And this is why that, you know, you know, we talk about power. And when we talk about power, everyone has a need for power. Power is simply the ability to influence something for your own benefit. You and I have to have power. Think if you didn't have the power to tie your shoes, you would feel helpless. If you didn't have the power to feed yourself. So we all need a degree of power. Here's the problem, though, when power is misused. When I use my position, when I use my status, when I use my, my, uh, my title, when I use whatever, my fame, as a source of power to inflict pain upon you or to do what I might not consider pain, but it's pleasure to me. But I know that you are afraid to say anything about it because you reverence me. You see me in a whole different light. And because you see me in that different light, you withhold. You don't want to believe it. And you start believing who's going to believe me. You start asking yourself the question, who will believe me? And in many cases, and that's why I was saying, if this was not Bill Cosby, would we find it easier to believe those victims? Because sometimes that we can become very blinded by the fact of who the perpetrator is. In the same way yeah. that guess what happened when society revictimizes victims, sometimes if that person, that's why if you ever go to a court hearing, I see a court hearing where a victim has been brought to, uh, a victim has brought charges against a perpetrator, these are some of the most uh, painful type of court hearings. Why? Because the first thing that the defense attorney does is try to destroy the person, destroy the character yeah. of the victim. So they'll start saying things like, well, look at the way she dressed, or look at her. She's had three boyfriends in the last four months, and they start tearing her down as if these things justify her being raped. And so in the case of where we're dealing with a person who may be in power authority, there's automatically an inferred fear that is there. Who is going to believe me? Who's going to That's believe right. this? You know, and, and oftentimes these victims are feeling paralyzed. Uh, you know, they're feeling paralyzed. They don't want to come forth because they're afraid they won't be believed. They don't want to come forth because people are going to re-victimize them. I mean, we see it everywhere. Look at how people talked about Janae Rice, Ray Rice's wife how they talked about her. She's a fool. She, and what did they do? They re-victimized her again. So many times uh -huh. victims, they know that if they come out and said what's going to happen. So let's go back. Why would it take 20, 30 years? Because sometime when, it when one person is willing to break the silence, it gives the next person who have experienced the same thing the strength to do the same thing. Yes. Yeah. And so that's a powerful thing. Is that when one person breaks that silence, that's what we go back to earlier. We're saying that if we're willing to break the silence, when we're breaking the silence, we liberate others as well. When we break the silence, we give others the strength and the inspiration to do the same. If we break the silence, then there are those that will come forth and realize the fact that I don't have to suffer like this. I'll speak up as well. So, uh, you, know, exactly. it's, 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 you know, and so that's one of the things. Now, why did it take 30 years? It might have taken longer. It might have taken longer had had others not come forth. And that's what I'm yeah. saying. Our silence our silence perpetuates violence. Imagine if the first victim or second victim would have spoke up years ago. 
could that brought correction to the behavior? Could that have brought, you know, even sometimes shame will bring correction to a person's behavior. I'm uh-huh. totally, I'm totally convinced. There are some people. I'm not sure if they're so much repentive of what they've done as much as they're ashamed. And when they're shamed, sometimes they can be shamed into stopping what they're doing. But in this case here, because of the fact, in many cases, the, these victims were afraid. Some of them even said they were paid. Their their college their college was being paid. Different things happened. So it gives the illusion as if these individuals were accepting almost a bribe. But That's once again, right. when you feel powerless, and powerlessness is a powerful thing, when you feel powerless, when you feel that you're worthless, and you know, and it's one of the things that going back to the church. When we see these type of things happen in the church, we have to be careful. We have been given a degree of power and authority. And so we have to guard that. We have to guard that. God did not call us to pray on people, not to P-R-E-Y on people. He yes, called us yes. to pray with people and pray for people. He called us to P-R-A-Y with and P-R-A-Y for, but he did not call us to P-R-E-Y on. And because That's when we pray right. on people, we are abusing our authority. We're saying because when people look at us in a light, you know, you understand? You know, remember this here, to whom much is given, much is required? Yes. You know, when we have that when we have that type of attention, when we have those type of eyes that are on us and people believe us and we violate that. Now I know some will say, Well, he's a man. Well, let me say something, as a man, I don't want that to ever be my excuse. I don't want that excuse to ever be my excuse for knowingly doing something wrong or violating someone. It is one thing to be involved with someone consensually. It's another thing to assault someone, to impair their thinking, to impair their judgment through substance, and then violate them. There's nothing worse than that because a person inebriated, you can a drunk person cannot give consent yeah, to be right. sexual. They right. cannot. And so we have a lot a lot of work to do inside of that. And but like you said, we've got to talk more about it. Uh, we got more. To, uh, there's more to talk about. We've got to educate it. Uh, there's more to be done uh, about it. Uh, we have to raise the awareness of it. And as I continue to try to educate uh, faith leaders uh, around the country, one of the things I say to help to help them is that we always quote the scripture here: "For my people perish for a lack of knowledge." And That's so when right. they don't know, and you said that earlier, you said that in many cases they just don't know how to address these things. But guess what? If they don't know, if any man lacketh knowledge, any man lacketh wisdom, let him ask. That's right. And so we have to let go our pride and say, listen, I need you to come over. We need you to do some seminars with us. We need you to teach us more about this. We need you to come in and help with that. We need some people that are empowered, sometimes survivors that have gone through it themselves. And so here's the thing that is so important is that when we fail to be educated, empowered, and receive knowledge, then what we're saying is that endorse my ignorance and allow my ignorance to be an excuse for not helping. Allow my ignorance to to be excused for not believing that victim. Allow my ignorance to be an excuse for not providing a way of escape. That is the sad part about it. That is the sad part about it. 
too many victims. And I do a, I generally do a survey evaluation with every training I do, every forum I do. And one of the questions that is oftentimes on that evaluation is the fact of do you feel comfortable going to your pastor or your church or your church leaders? Why or why not? That's a very viable question because you know what? If they don't feel comfortable, then you want to know why. And some have said, I don't think my pastor have a clue. The others that says, I don't think he's interested in that subject. These are the people that are in the pew. These are the individuals that go to the church. These are the individuals who oftentimes sing in the choir or some of auxiliary. So if they don't feel comfortable going, then what are we saying to them as a church? See, I believe this. If we're unable to deal with a situation, then we need to know who can. That's we need right. to know exactly. who, who to refer them to. But we spend most of our time fighting other organizations because they're, you know, the other organization we call them secular, so you know, we don't want to send them there, but yet still we don't want to become equipped enough. One of the things that we continuously right. teach is that we have to be a relationship. We have to know what they're doing, what services they, that they offer, and they need to know who we are and what we're about, and that way we work together. Because and, and when it's all said and done, the person who's hurt, the person who's being violated is the one who falls through the crack if we're continuously having these little civil wars between one another. So that is why we have to continue to uh, keep this uh, keep this alive and keep this work done. And I know that you are. I know that you're carrying that banner there. I tell you, uh, I still am so happy about our experience there in uh, Birmingham. When I was in Birmingham in 2013, they're at the, yeah. uh, at, at the conference there. But there's so much work to do. We are making our way now. We're actually making phone calls even now, and we're receiving phone calls about coming back to the great state of Alabama and doing some things there, and particularly trying to do things there in the faith communities. It is vital. It is so yeah. vital. Because, you know, I'd rather be able to help a parishioner. I'd rather be able to help someone than to have to eulogize them because of what I didn't know. I don't want to utilize, eulogize somebody because I didn't know what to do, because I didn't know where to send them, because I was too afraid to admit the fact that I didn't know. This is so important tonight that we do those things that need to be done, because if we don't do it, if we don't do then guess what? We literally have blood required to our hands. Eric O'Connor, oh, yeah. 378 That is how you reach us. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. And we're going to be right back after this break. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And we'll be right back. Radio. 
when they begin to speak up and speak out, when they have been strengthened, when they when they speak up, that's where strength can come from. When we galvanize, when we come and we support them and we let them know that we believe them and that they're not standing alone, but rather they're surrounded by those that love, those that support, and those that believe in the cause, that's when we see something different happen. In that movie, Selma, we saw that happen there. And in the end, yes, did they go through pain? Yes, did they go through anguish? Yes, they did. But they had something working for them in a, at a time that this nation was in disarray, at a time when this nation was going through its challenges and changes. These individuals had something working for them. They were part of the greatest nation in the world, and that's not the United States at the time. It was determination. For determination is the greatest nation in the world. And they were determined, and they stuck together, and they was willing to listen to one another. And though that they had disagreements inside of methodology, they all could agree that they were looking to obtain the same thing, and that was fair treatment, equality. They was looking to be counted. And I'm saying to you and I today is that if we have the same common, the common goal in mind, and that is decency of life, that is being able to to minister to those that are broken, bruised, and battered. That is part of why we're anointed. He has anointed me to not only set the captives free, but to but to you know to set at liberty those that are captives and to minister to those that are bruised and battered. And that's what we must be about. We've got to be able to speak out to those situations, those that are hurting, and that's what we must do. We must create that platform. And so I say to you that are listening on the sound of my voice, whether you're listening now or you're going back and listening on podcasts, we want to make that difference. I'm saying to you that there's help. I believe this. We often look at this Bible, and we talk about all the different things, but we talk about it, he gave gifts unto men, and we talk about that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the uh, perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. We understand that. Paul talks again about several gifts that he gives in the body, and I believe that there's room in the body for every gift that he's given. And I believe that there are those of us that he's anointed us for such an hour as this to bring a clarity to the body of Christ, to understand God's heart when it comes to these type of abuses and violations and these type of uh, these type of things that destroys us at the core. And that's why we continue to go around this country, training, equipping, teaching, beginning to have forums and symposiums and, and those type of summits that are going to not only bring attention to it, but it's going to bring empowerment. And why we come and we, we do training with churches and faith leaders and we bring them together and we go through uh, hours and hours upon teaching because of the fact, people, these things happen and too often people are suffering in silence. Erico 323-784-9638, that's how you reach us. Erico 323-784-9638, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Hold Us, and we're with you. Antoinette, I know that you're still with us tonight, and uh, anyone else that would like to join in right now, simply hit the number one on your keypad after you've dialed in, and we'll get you on your comment, and your questions are, are very important tonight. You know, uh, Antoinette, one of the things that we have to understand is this. I believe that everything that we're called to be, we can find it in Scripture. The Scripture says this, to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good work and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Now, that's one part of the Scripture. But the other part of the Scripture said this to us. It says this. It says to us that we are the light of the world, (laughs) a city that sits on the hill that cannot be hidden. 
And then it tells us this, that nomad takes a light and they put it up on our bushel. So it, it gives us something. It gives us an identity. It gives us a purpose. And it gives us all of those things in one. So what I think we have to understand is, number one, like it or not, guess what? We're the light. Yes. Yeah. We're the yeah. light. We ought to be the beacon of hope inside of a dark world. And that is why we have to be equipped. That is why we have to be equipped. And if we look at light in the terms of what the scripture talked about in that time, we also have to understand this. The light that he talked about oftentimes was the light that was contained in a lantern, in a lamp. In order for that lamp to have light, in order for that lamp to be able to shine and have light, number three things had to have happen. It had to have oil in its vessel. It had to have oil. And number two, that light had to be lit inside of it. And thirdly, not only did it have to be lit, but it had to have a consistent flow. In other words, if we, the church, do not continuously improve ourselves and increase in the wisdom and knowledge of the things that God wants us to know, then guess what? Eventually the oil runs out, and guess what? And the light goes out. Yes, yes. We have to ask ourselves a question today. Have our have our oil ran out, and our light has gone out dim? Have our oil run out? Because I believe that this is that we do perish for a lack of knowledge. But God wants to give us knowledge. Let him that lacketh wisdom let him let him that act, him that lacketh wisdom let him act of the Father, who give liberally and upbraideth not. That he will give us what we need. He will supply. That's why he places different people in the body. He wants to equip us. Because that family, at the time of that crisis, they need someone who's going to walk with them. People that are coming off the street that may be unchurched, but they realize, they have a history of knowing that that church is supposed to be the light. That's where I can go for answers. That's where I can go for guidance. And the only, only thing more tragic than not having, not, not having a place to go for answers is going there, and they still have no answers. So we have to be equipped. We have to be empowered. We must understand how to deal with it. There is a methodology. There is something that we have to operate in, and that's love. Because you know what? There is no cosmetic sin. There is no cosmetic way. There is nothing cosmetic about it. A victim is not a cosmetic victim. People are hurt from every walk of life, whether they have title or position, whether or not they're rich or poor, whether or not they're black, white, whether or not they're Hispanic or Asian. People are hurting, and yet it's still the one place that they can turn and find an answer. Oftentimes it's a place whose lamp has gone out. Well, this is a call to action. This is a call for us to, 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 to have our lamps to be reignited, to have the oil that is flowing, and for the lamp to burn bright. That's what it's all about in this day and time, because when people are hurting, they need answers, and they need answers. And there's so much that we have to be equipped with in the church. And you would agree, Antoinette, inside of many areas. Because even when it looks like the government, you know, when the government doesn't even look like it, it, it understands the needs of its own people, and even those that have served in war and served on the front line and things like that, when we don't understand that, we leave them in a very vulnerable place. And so I think that there's a need for us to understand 
The church has to know how to deal with it. We need to be cognizant of understanding even things like post-traumatic stress disorder. We need to understand that these things, that how, what, how trauma affects lives, and so that if we understand how it does, we can minister from a different place. We can minister from a place of really hope and, and compassion. We can minister from a place of being able to be there and stand in support. And when we're able to do that, it makes a difference. Would you not agree? I definitely agree. Definitely. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of work to be done, and there's a lot of work to be done in many different places. There work, There's work to be done. What would you say to the fact that uh, perhaps we're stuck? Does it appear that sometimes we're stuck? If we were to do a poll of what is on our priority list as a church, if we were to do that, I could almost imagine the first thing that we hear is our priority is to win souls. Hmm. Well, there's a scripture that says, he that winneth souls is wise. So in what way are we planning on winning souls? So oftentimes when we talk about winning souls, well, we're, it's cold language where we're looking for folks to come into our church that just left First Baptist over there, you know. So we're looking for church swapping, swapping a members and people who got fed up there, people who no longer want to go there. That's not winning souls. That's just transplants. Souls is about being able to minister to those who don't have the ability to reciprocate it. That's what true ministry is. True ministry is a, true ministry is, is is ministering to someone, is giving to someone who who is imparting to someone who does not have the ability to reciprocate it. So when you minister to someone in true ministry, guess what? You may you may be called upon to give to them, and they may not have the capacity to give it give that back to you. They may not have the capacity to to barter with you. That's what it's called bartering. So when they don't have the capacity to barter, then guess what? Then you know that you are now committed true ministry. So here's a person coming in, and maybe they're shame. Maybe they look good to the world. Maybe everyone thinks they're successful. Maybe everyone thinks they got it going on. But at, at the right moment, at that particular moment, they're at a place of brokenness. They're at a place where they want to take off the mask. They're at a place where they want, to, they want to be heard. They want someone to know that they're hurting. And the reality is, are we in position? Are we equipped to deal with that? Or did we like them better when they had on their mask? (laughs) (laughs) Did we like them better when they had on the mask? Have the church become the great masquerade party? No, don't come in with real problems. Wear your mask. No, don't come in with real hurts and fears. Wear your mask. No, don't come here telling the truth about what you've gone through. Keep on your mask. Because it's a lot easier to deal with folks when they're wearing a mask. See, when they're wearing a mask, <laughs> when they're wearing a mask, it, we don't have to work hard because they're doing all the work. They're doing all the work trying to protect their, their image. They're doing all the work trying to protect their past. They're doing all the work trying to protect their injuries. They're doing all the work trying to protect what's going on with them. But when we give them permission, when we become a church that is transparent enough, that is filled with love and compassion enough, then people can come in and they can take off their mask. The person who's confused about their sexual orientation can take off their mask. Guess what? Because the fact they can say, listen, I'm confused. I don't know what I want to be. I know I'm being pulled here. I know I'm being pulled there. I feel like I'm being tormented. But can I get someone to pray with me to help me, someone to stand with me and not to judge me? I just need to be ministered to right now. And until we're willing to do that, until we're willing to do that, I'm not sure if we're really, I'm not sure if we're really uh, having church. You know, we say we have church. 
we consider having church good music, good music, good shouting, good song, good choir, good dancing, good this, good shouting. Is that really church? Because I think the real church is one that understands the power, the power of being able to minister to those that are hurting, that are bruised, those that have been discarded and downtrodden, those that have been marginalized, those that have been forgotten, those that have been counted out, those that have suffered, those that have been ostracized. Now, see there? When I get to talking about that, that doesn't sound so good, right? Can't get a real <laughs> shout-off on that, right? Yeah. I mean, there ain't no music behind that. Boy, there's no Hammond B3, no keyboard, none of that behind that. And yet it's still... That's what we need. What the world needs now is love, real love. And that means that we love them enough that we're willing to extend ourselves. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. We're about ready to wrap up here with only about two or three minutes that's left in the show tonight, and I want to wrap up tonight by saying this to you that we have an opportunity to make a difference always. We have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of those that are hurting and that, and that those that have been downtrodden and discarded. You may not feel that you're empowered to do so. You may not feel that you have the expertise to do so. You may not feel that you even know where to start. But can I get you to do this? Can I get you to stand with those of us that will? Can I get you to stand with us that, that, that have taken up the mantra and we are going to stand on this front line? We're going to reach out to others. We're going to train others. If I can get you to do that, can I invite you to go to our website, www.destinybychoice.org? Go there. Go to our website. Whatever you want to do there. We don't do this every week. We hardly ever do it. But I'm telling you that go there. Make your contribution. You will be amazed. And just, I mean, we're in the, to the 12th day of this year. And I'm already dealing with cases of individuals that you wouldn't believe that's going on. Cases of individuals where uh, just a brand-new baby, mother with five children, from newborn all the way up to the age of 10, running and escaping right now in an abusive relationship because they're undocumented and things they do not, they, they do not qualify for Medicaid and, and Medicare, don't have food, so reaching out to other entities and finding food. Baby, don't have pampers. Can't get assistance even inside of the apartment, the one-bedroom apartment they were living in, and no job. See, those are things that we don't often talk about, but they're happening. They're happening. You can be a help. Not only do we need your prayers, we need your support. Go to www.destinybychoice.org right there on our website. Go to the donation page, and your donation will be very great to receive. And by the way, they're 501c3. They are tax uh, they're tax deductible, and we'll be glad to be able to uh, supply you with your letter that you need for that. But most of all, you're making a difference, and that's what it's about. It's about hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. It starts. It starts with each and every one of us. It starts with us being willing to reach beyond ourselves, because until we're willing to reach beyond ourselves, we won't be able to reach into the lives of others and make their lives a better life because of the fact we care. 
So until next time, this is J.R. Ficklin. I'm so very glad that you join us on tonight. To each of you that call, we thank you so very much for being a part of the show tonight. And for those of you that listen, until next time, we say stay safe, break the silence, and most of all, make a difference. Hope and healing, our journey to wholeness. Till next time, have a great night. extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 